some people call me a musician. I just kind of call myself just a full-on creative because I feel like being a musician is so much more than being a musician. There's so much more you have to think and create and realize rather than just notes on a page. So I, I prefer to go by creative just because I do so much uh, more than just music as well. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Struggle Create Strength. Struggle Create Strength is a mental health platform exemplifying that everyone has a story. I always say that no two stories are the same, but every story has the potential to help someone else. On today's episode, we are joined by 21-year-old Edward Graham. Edward Graham, as seen on the streets, is known as a musician or an artist, but when you talk to him, he classifies himself as a creative. And when talking to him, and especially in this episode, you'll see exactly what that means and why he classifies himself as that. Talking with him and his story was incredible. His story is one that you have to hear. It's one that puts a lot into perspective and you see the passion and the drive that he has for what he does. And for me, it inspired me. I'm sure it'll inspire you as well. And it's always nice just to see people, especially in today's day, and especially through these hard times of COVID and everything that's going on in the world, just to see somebody so passionate about what they're doing and pursuing exactly what they want to pursue. But I hope you enjoy this episode of Struggle Create Strength, and I hope you enjoy Edward's story. Okay, well, yeah. thank you so much, Eddie, for joining me and joining me in my home, in my humble abode, yeah. to, <laughs> to actually film this podcast. Uh, the conversations that we've had just over the last little while have always been good, and especially the last one when we got to actually sit down and yeah, we talk. Yeah, kind of like an hour uninterrupted just yeah. to say whatever was on our Exactly. Yeah. No, that that was that was awesome because obviously I got to understand a little bit more about yourself, about some of the passions, about some of the struggles you've actually had within those passions, yeah. even. And you have a story that I think is very relatable to a lot of people, or at least something that a lot of people can kind of pick apart and find maybe even discover some things about themselves that they didn't know and realize that, hey, you know what? I actually do relate to Eddie in yeah. some form of way, you know? Um, but first and foremost, please do introduce yourself and kind of who you are and yeah, who you are for sure. you. Um, so my name is Edward Graham. I do prefer to go by Eddie. Um, some people call me a musician. I just kind of call myself just a full-on creative because I feel like being a musician is so much more than being a musician. There's so much more you have to think and create and realize rather than just notes on a page. Mm-hmm. So I, I prefer to go by creative just because I do so much uh, more than just music as well. Mm-hmm. And that's been since like the beginning of my life too. Like it wasn't all about music. Like I didn't come out of my mother's womb just thinking like, oh, I want to make music. This is what I want to do. Like there's been a whole bunch of different ideas and ventures and oh, I want to do computer engineering oh I want a dirt bike I want to be a professional dirt biker and it's just it's kind of all kind of amalgamated I guess into like me being a musician now and it's kind of it's another way to tell my stories through my music like that mm-hmm. yeah even though it is just kind of repetitive dance music <laughs> but you know it's there's, there's a story and a meaning through all that yeah for sure and you brought up one point which I honestly all that I obviously love but the biggest thing that I think you even just said right there is that it hasn't been like, this hasn't been your life forever. No, no. (laughs) And and I think if like you talk to anyone who's doing anything in their life, 
if you asked, oh, is this your first plan? Was this what you wanted to do since you were a kid? They're going to be, hell no. Like, <laughs> I, I, I have friends that are going into medicine that didn't even care about biology in high school. Like, I have, I have friends who are just doing so many different things that weren't what they wanted to do originally. But that's mm-hmm. kind of like, it's a turning point in your life where you kind of have that realization that it's like, it's not a fact that you didn't want it enough as a kid. It's just a fact that you didn't realize how much more there was out there, I think. For sure. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And you actually spoke about dirt biking and how you wanted to be a professional dirt biker. Yeah. So run us through that whole stage of your life. So I grew up in the same house for my entire life until I was 18 in Nanaimo, Vancouver Island. Um, there isn't a ton to do on the island. I, I will say that. You do get kind of landlocked. Some people may disagree. Some people will be like, oh, you got Tofino, you got Victoria. <laughs> Um, but basically my life growing up was with dirt bikes. So my dad, before I was born, was a sprint car, race car driver. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's basically, he was traveling, uh, the North American circuit for that. And then, uh, when I was born, he kind of realized like traveling wouldn't be as optimal anymore because he has a kid to take care of, you know? Um, but he still wanted to keep all that going. So I was raised on dirt bikes since I can't drive a car when I'm three years old. (laughs) So I was raised on dirt bikes uh, since I was about, uh, I picked up my first dirt bike when I was about three years old. And then uh, kind of beyond that, I got introduced into the Vancouver Island Hair Scramble series, which is an off-road enduro race. So it's not like, when I say dirt biking, like most people think motocross, like closed courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more like 10 to 20 kilometer courses out in the woods that are flagged off. You got to yeah. kind of navigate yourself through there. So I started racing that when I was about 12 years old. And then uh, I kept on doing that all the way up until uh, I was 18. And I was getting pretty good. Like, I was I was getting kind of tires here and there. And I was getting, uh, I was getting t- traction. If I really wanted to, like, that could be something I was still doing. If I stayed on the island, I'd probably mm-hmm. still be racing dirt bikes. I'd still be doing that. I'd still be involved in the mm-hmm. race series over there. And, you know, it's kind of some of those things. Like, I do miss riding every day. Like, it's something, if I were to go back, would I choose dirt biking maybe not but it's still something that like in the future I want to incorporate back because it was a huge turning point for me mm-hmm. um, I wasn't antisocial going through school uh, but I was raised around people who were racing the bikes and they're around like 18 to 40 years old mm-hmm. so I was never really surrounded by a lot of kids my own age so I worked I was I was able to communicate really well with people that are older than me like I'm able to conduct myself in a respectful manner to them, you know, <laughs> but it's, uh, so that, that was something I really struggled with growing up was meeting with people my own age because I was raised around people that were older than me and, mm-hmm. you know, I, and then beyond that, like, I was just at home, like, I didn't really have a ton of, uh, friends my age to hang out with, like, after class, so I feel like I'm a lot of this generation where I was kind of just raised on YouTube, mm-hmm. and For that's sure. where, like, that's why I feel our generation is super powerful because we know so much more at our age than our parents or our grandparents or our great-grandparents knew at the age of 20. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many... Like, my dad out of high school straight went straight into work. My mom went straight into the police academy. Um, and it's not saying that that's a wrong course in life. Like, it's not saying yeah. that what they did is bad. Um, it's just saying that there's a lot more options, especially now, like, I knew kids who were 16 years old in high school selling fidget spinners making like 30k a month (laughs) 
And it's like, it's, you kind of punch yourself because you're like, oh, why didn't I do that? Like, I could have retired at the age of 25, you know? Um, but it's, that just wasn't our path. Mm -hmm. And we can't kind of get upset over that. But yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, no, yeah. Go back to dirt biking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. And myself, I'm kind of the same way with a lot of different things in my life. Like, I have great passions for certain things. Dirt biking is one of them. Yeah. Like, my family, that's what we've always done. Like, it's yeah. always been something. And yeah, so, I like think even my mom tried to get on it. Like, yeah. she, she wasn't that good. She crashed <laughs> into a couple boxes and stopped. But that's, that's what I was raised on. That's who I was raised on. Yeah. Is kind of like a hick thing almost. Yeah. And now absolutely. I'm sitting here with glasses yeah. and my hair mess and the white t-shirt. It's like, I never would have worn this because I would have got the white t-shirt messy in the first yeah. 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And I, I think incorporating those things back into your life in the future is, is something that's important. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like not cutting ties with, not cutting ties with your past. Like that's something that I try to it's, always say as well is like, you don't have to, you don't have to like, basically give two middle fingers to everything that happened in your past and everything you did in your past, you can take that back into your life or you can just use it as a learning curve or you can whatever, right? Yeah, that's what made us who we are today. We didn't really notice it, but like subconsciously the way we were raised was like on dirt bikes. Yeah. Um, And like basically dirt biking and karate was all I did as a kid. And I got bullied heavy for doing karate. I always had kids in, in my high school trying to fight me. Cause like, uh, I got my black belt at the age of 16, yeah. you know, that's just kind of a, a magnet for the kids in high school. Like <laughs> all those, the, the kids who think they're big shots being like, Oh, like I want to be this kid up cause I want to be better than a black belt. And yeah. fighting, you know? Um, but I never, karate didn't teach me how to fight. It, te- it taught me how to not get into fights. It taught me how to respect myself and how to be confident. And that's one of the things like, I don't practice it anymore, but the life lessons that it gave me growing up were. Uh, way more important than teaching me how to punch. It taught me how to be confident. It taught me how to stand up for myself. It taught me how to avoid bad confrontations and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's that's what you want. Out of everything that you do in life, yeah. you want to take your, your life lessons and your learning your learning curves, if you will, and um, obviously utilize them. And, yeah. Well, everyone learns those lessons like different ways, too. Like, yeah. That's what I, that's what I like, because um, talking to my friends who grew up even playing like some like hockey or soccer or baseball like they learned those same lessons but in a different way in a different setting 100 percent. yeah i totally agree so let's kind of transition into what actually brought you here today and like into Kelowna into your whole scene that you're in now it's I don't know. I say it's like a series of unfortunate events even though it's not it's it's a series of fortunate events um kind of happy little coincidences, I guess. So I originally moved up to Kelowna to study at UBC computer engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, basically I just wanted to get off the island. My grades in high school were all right. Like I could have gone further, but I was also, I was raised kind of a mom's voice. I didn't want to go too far from home, Yeah. but I just, I needed to get off the island for sure. So that's kind of what landed me in Kelowna at UBC. Um, first year of university, it's, kind of like what anyone's first year in university would be, you know? Um, but I think it's actually, that's kind of the turning point when I realized what I want to do with my life. Um, a lot of people say like, Oh, all those parties, they're pointless, all the drinking, like it just ruins your grades. Like that isn't what you're at university to be for. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I think those parties are what 
made me who I am today. They made me the confident person. They made me the person who can walk up to a random person and be like, hey, how are you doing? What's your name? Because mm-hmm. if I didn't go to those, I'd be in my dorm room studying alone. And I wouldn't have gained those skills to be able to just... Because that's kind of a lot of people's first time being out on their own mm-hmm. um, is in university. And it's so easy just to kind of lock yourself away and not do anything. Um, but yeah, for the first year, I basically I did computer engineering and I did business. And then the second year... I absolutely flipped, failed my computer engineering stuff, all my classes. I did off on them. Um, I grew up loving computers, like building them, playing games, like whatever. I thought I was a genius with that, but apparently not. Kind of gave me a reality check. And so I was kind of like, okay, like I still like business. I'm still going to do this. Um, and then kind of halfway through my second year, it was actually the, the summer after my first year of school, I was working at Cactus Club, and I was just doing the bar backing stuff. So I was just the dude on the radio uh, basically being every bartender's bitch just running around getting <laughs> drinks and liquor and stuff for all these people and uh, that's kind of when I realized like this isn't what I want to do really mm-hmm. um, so basically I had a credit card at the time and uh, I basically like I cleared out my bank account I did everything and I bought my first DJ controller because it's something like I've always had a musical past like I grew up playing piano I was in a jazz band um, it just at the time that seemed like the next kind of cool music thing to do because it's something that I've kind of been around but I've never actually used because like I've seen it at Sapphire I've seen those people doing it um, I thought hey that's cool let me try that so I ended up buying one and, um, my girlfriend at the time I was basically sitting on her bedroom floor if I wasn't at work I was sitting on her bedroom floor just kind of trying to mix tracks together and just trying to mess around with everything and uh, that's a, that's the most fun I had that summer was just sitting on that bedroom floor, just mess, messing around with music, putting different effects. And at that time, all I didn't realize the kind of broader range of EDM. So I played a lot of rap stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then beyond that, at the time, there was this uh, college group of kids who kind of put on little house parties here and there. Um, and then one of my friends actually DM'd those guys, and he was like, "Hey, I know you guys are doing a pool party on this day." My buddy, he's a, this is the first time I've been called a DJ, it was by my friend, he's like, oh, my buddy's a DJ, do you want him to play for you? And they're like, sure. So, uh, basically I packed up all my gear, and uh, I went to that party, and that's where I met Colton, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, he's one of my biggest supporters and inspirations and confidants, and one of the best people in my life, and basically I played that party, and then uh, beyond that, it just kind of rolled into more, and I was playing it social. And then uh, I was playing social every Friday and I was sitting at school and all I was thinking about was music and I was like, oh, I want to do this. I want to try this. And then I kind of realized like there's work in music. People make a living off music. Why can't I make a living off music? Why am I sitting here learning about international trade when I don't even care? So then that's kind of when it clicked for me. And then uh, that was my last year at UBC. And then uh, I went into an audio engineering program. And then that kind of led me up to where I am today. Yeah, and now I'm making music, and I guess by the time this podcast is out, my first song will be out, so that's kind of a big thing. But yeah, so it's just kind of funny how it's all happened by coincidence. Like, if I played that house party and Colton wasn't there, you know, that would have been a connection I probably would have missed. If I didn't start playing social every Friday, I wouldn't have been able to practice as much. Yeah, if, if, if you take it all the way back, if I didn't even... Move to Kelowna, you know. If I stayed on the island, 
I didn't buy it, if, if I didn't clean up my bank account, max up my credit card to buy that first controller, you know, like none of it would happen. So it's all kind of happy little coincidences, happy little accidents that brought me where I am now. Yeah. It's so crazy. Like, yeah. just, when you really put it all into perspective and you really think about every little thing that's happened, it, it blows you away because you just like anything can happen on any given day exactly and that, that could have been like oh if I got into painting that could have been like a completely different thing like I could have met a friend who's a painter instead <laughs> of a musician you know like and that's the thing is I feel like people are really scared to make that first jump like when I clear my bank account to buy that first controller they're scared one because they have no money two because like they don't think it's sustainable and three because they don't take it seriously enough because they don't think they can do anything with it mm-hmm. Um, now I think when it comes to money uh, back when I was on the island I worked in a skateboard shop my boss was a life coach so there's constantly days after the shop closed down that I would just sit with him and talk and uh, that's again another person who made me who I am today but he told me that money it's not something that should be hoarded it's a tool so it's I treat I treat my bank account the same way as I treat my laptop the same way as I treat my DJ gear um, it's a tool to help me do stuff. It's not something mm-hmm. to be like, oh, I need to set this, set this aside in case blah, blah, blah happens, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah happens. Um, I think it is important to have money set aside, but I also don't think it's right to think that you're doing better because you have $2,000 in your bank account opposed to $0 in your bank account. Because mm-hmm. if I had $10,000 in my bank account, but I didn't have all the gear I had right now, I can tell you I wouldn't be happier. I'd still be at UBCL. I'd still be kind of signing my head into the desk doing something that doesn't make me happy. Mm-hmm. But I'd have $10,000, but that wouldn't mean anything to me. You know? <laughs> like, what? I'd buy a car with it so I can drive around and be unhappy in my car. So, yeah. No, that's, that's kind of what my idea on money is. Is it something that... It's a tool that you shouldn't be afraid to use. Yeah. I love that so much. I... <laughs> I just I resonate to that so much because that's how that's how I've started taking all my stuff into account as well it's kind of like okay yeah it's nice to have this money in my bank account but at the end of the day think about what this purchase can do for me think about what this investment can do and that's the biggest thing and even if it doesn't like even if you spend that $500 on gear or whatever even if you don't make that $500 back in that year from using that gear that doesn't mean it's it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it means like you've learned that oh maybe this wasn't the best thing to buy to spend my money on like what could be better allocated to you know mm-hmm. or like how could I utilize this gear better to make a better return on my investment. Mm-hmm. Um, now kind of speaking on investment, that's kind of something I love and hate to see is something on Instagram. I've been seeing a lot of people, uh, a lot of Instagram pages popping up talking about like oh. Would you rather spend sixty thousand dollars on a Tesla car, or would you spend the sixty thousand dollars on Tesla shares? And it's like, oh, okay. it's like the Tesla shares are now worth three hundred thousand yeah. dollars, but the <laughs> Tesla car is worth thirty thousand dollars. And I think that's such a toxic way to uh, to explain money to youth. Because I think, like, I I invest. I'm careful. Like, I do have money set aside. I have money in uh, my TFSA and stuff and stocks yeah. and cryptos. But I don't think that's the right way to get people to start investing is saying, well, instead of buying this, buy the stock. Mm-hmm. Because that Tesla car, like even you could buy like a $5,000 Civic shirt, but like somebody might have worked like 10 years of their life just to be able to buy that 
know? Mm-hmm. So you shouldn't fault them for wanting to use their money instead of set it aside and hoard it away for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that the more that you really, you think about these investments and the more you think about your goals and your dreams and all that stuff, like it all ties in together and it's more so like it all comes down to what's going to make you the happiest. Mm-hmm. Like that's what truly matters. And that's what I've really realized. Like for the longest time, I always thought that being successful and having millions of dollars and yeah, having, like having your private yeah. island and stuff. And you see like the Warren Buffetts and like the Jeff yeah. Bezos and you're like, Oh, like I want to be that. Like the odds of you becoming that uber rich is so slim that you might as well just have fun with your money. Yeah. Um, you might as well put that money to use to be able to do what you want to do. Exactly. Yeah. Like buy a microphone, start a couple, start a podcast, yeah. buy a DJ here, become a DJ. Like that's, if that's the path you want in life, don't be afraid to spend that money to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have to have $10,000 in your bank. You have to become a DJ. You can buy DJ controllers on Amazon for 200 bucks now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hmm. you might as well, yeah, you, <laughs> no. you might as well give it a shot. Like again, it's just money. If you wake up tomorrow and you have $500 in your bank account or $200 in your bank account because you bought a new microphone. Like, mm-hmm. it, Are you going to be happier with having the, that new microphone or are you going to be happy with having that extra $300, that, that bunch of pixels on your phone yeah. saying you have more money? You know? yeah. yeah, for sure. No, I totally, totally agree with that. What actually, this is what I'm curious, I have a burning desire to know this, what actually kind of made you start to think from this standpoint? Because I think there's a like for everyone it's different like for mm-hmm. me it's it's different than a lot of other people and just the way that you kind of look at money and look at your life in general it's it's in a very unique way but a way that I think a lot of other people should also start to try and possess because it's a, it's a great way to look at all of it I, I think it I think it all comes with like who we surround ourselves with um, like if you surround yourselves with like the finance and econ people who tell you oh you should your money away blah 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 you're gonna put your money away mm-hmm. but if you surround yourself with creatives who use it as a tool who use it to buy new cameras do this stuff who use it to invest into their self into themselves and into their business like that's gonna be what you're gonna do it's kind of the same like if you surround yourself with successful people you'll become successful if you mm-hmm. surround yourself with assholes you'll become an asshole yeah yeah so I think it's I think it's all about the connections and the circle of supporters you have mm-hmm. around you that help you think like that it's kind of like a disease almost mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and even speaking off of supporters and support systems how did your how did your parents kind of take the whole the whole, the whole news of you saying that you were basically leaving UBC going and starting to study music and starting to follow this passion like what did they think of that um well I'm blessed my parents have always been supportive of me and I think a lot of people don't realize how supportive their parents actually are of them um in the beginning it was they they were reluctant just from a pure standpoint uh, standpoint I guess of not understanding mm-hmm. um because a lot of this stuff that people our age and our generation are trying to get into is stuff that didn't exist when our parents were growing up. Mm-hmm. So it's more an area of not understanding. Like they didn't, they don't know that you can make, like, like you can do podcasts. Mm-hmm. They didn't know, like they don't know how you can make music on a laptop. Um, so it's just a pure fact that they didn't know. They, the only thing they ever wanted for me was 
to basically be happy and healthy. And I understand that. So they were reluctant being like, oh yeah, go from your business degree to a music degree. Because they didn't think that there's a whole world of musicians that can make a living off of, you know, streams and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And those people are very lucky to uh, be able to make a living off streams. Um, But I basically, I went like, hey, if I get this degree, there's all these other jobs in the audio industry that I can take. Um, There's all this stuff. Um, But that was one of the harder phone calls in my life, basically calling my parents being like, hey, I, I... I want to basically drop out of UBC and do music. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, and they've slowly started to come around, um, like getting my first song signed, send, like showing them invoices, being like, oh, I'm getting paid 500 bucks for a show. You know, like yeah. that's, that's one of the bigger changes is, is showing them and helping them understand rather than being like, oh, you don't get me pushing to the side. Yeah. Um, showing and helping them understand the ways to make a living off mm-hmm. of what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, instead of but yeah they were very reluctant yeah <laughs> to say the least and uh there's still gear that i've bought that cost a lot of money that i haven't told them about um Fair enough. yeah and that, and that first controller that i basically maxed out everything to get they didn't know anything about that but then again like that's that's part of my life and that's my journey mm-hmm. um like they're they're there to support me but they're not there to make every single decision for me in my life and Shit. I'm happy I made that decision and I'm happy I didn't tell them. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. What do they think about you releasing your first song? Um, my mom still doesn't understand really what it means. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I, I try to call my parents at least two to three times a week. Yeah. Um, and every time it's kind of like, oh, like, what are you doing musically? Like, what is this? And uh, like I've had to explain to her like what record label signings are and like how the earnings are split, um, but she's starting to understand it, and she's of course she's proud of me because yeah. again it's something I'm, I created that I'm showing the world, so exactly. she's proud of me. It's like kind of when you're a little kid when you paint your parents a picture with crayons, you know? Yeah, like they're always gonna be proud of you, but they might not understand. <laughs> but yeah, no, like they're. Uh, I'm I'm thankful for how much they've supported me, and they're slowly understanding more. And I'm hopefully one day I'll be able to hold a conversation with them without them asking, "Oh, what does that mean?" Yeah, when it comes to music. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I yeah, like that's so amazing. And just to know that your parents support it and support everything that you're doing is it's so important. Yeah, I think and, with everything. And I think like people go like, "Oh, my mom's a dick. Oh, my dad's a dick." Like they they don't realize how much their parents actually do support them sometimes like sure yeah. yeah there's some odd cases out there where there's uh there's hard families and thankfully i haven't been able to go through that mm-hmm. um but i think at the end of the day like parents aren't there to tell us what to do and what not to do they're there to give us guidelines on what worked for them and to kind mm-hmm. of trailblaze on our own mm-hmm. and you actually yeah, we're not gonna be the same way when we have kids yeah like, <laughs> like, I, I, i'm gonna be like my son wants to do something like that comes out when I'm 50 years old and yeah. I don't understand. I'm going to be like, well, how are you going to make money off that? How are you yeah. like, we're going to be the exact same way. So Yeah, no, 100 yeah. I, I actually, I do that all the time. I fabricate this big life in my head and I'm like, what am I going to say when my kids want to do something similar? Exactly. They want to go yeah. totally against the grain and just step outside of everything that I know and start trying something different. And you can only hope that you're going to be open-minded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then again, like, I don't know what I'm going to be like in 30 years. You don't yeah. know what I'm going to be like in 30 years. Um, that's kind of what being a parent is, I guess. Like, I'm starting to yeah. understand that more and more that they're they're winging it. I'm yeah. the first kid. They, <laughs> exactly. they don't know what to do. 
Um, and, I, and I'm understanding and appreciating more every day for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's awesome. I do want to ask you a question though, because I think, I think it it's definitely a very important topic to touch on, and that's the coronavirus and how it actually affected you and affected like your goals and your dreams and all the things that you're doing and how. I can only imagine that just kind of stopped things right dead in its tracks. Yeah. Um, that's actually a really good question because there's a lot of people who have exited the music industry because of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not as many people entering it. And I kind of still classify myself as entering it. Like I'm not established. Yeah. I'm not able to sit back for a day and be like, oh yeah, I know I'm going to make money off streets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's motivated me more than anything because I've had some of my best ideas during the pandemic Mm -hmm. and it's all what you make of it. So like Colton and I are starting, uh, an event production company called Raised by Raves Mm -hmm. and we haven't been able to really throw any big events yet because of COVID, but it's allowed us time to make business plans, make earning estimates, like go see business advisors, uh, figure out what we need. It's, it's hell. It's, it's give us time to build. Um, so basically when it's done, we can just have everything ready and be like, here you go guys. Like this is our company and make some money with it, you know? Um, and I think that's the viewpoint that needs to be taken in situations like this, because there's nothing else we can do other than prepare for when it's over, at least in the music industry standpoint, because Mm -hmm. there's nothing we can do right now. All we can do is plan what we're going to do. Um, and so I have a lot of fun with planning. I have a lot of fun coming up with ideas. I have a lot of fun creating different things. And uh, basically, I'm being able to create stuff and build on it and not have to worry about it being like, oh, I have an event this Friday I need to do. Like, I'm able to create and build and uh, not worry about a deadline with any of it, basically. Mm -hmm. And that's what's really nice. Mm -hmm. And another thing is, like, government assistance money-wise is really helpful as well. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, like, you shouldn't rely off CERB, you shouldn't rely off CRB, whatever. I think it's... uh, I think with the amount of times people get taxed and the amount of money the government takes from us, I think you need to learn how to hustle and how to play that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's, it's, I wouldn't have a lot of gear I have right now if it wasn't for CERB and CRB. Like, yeah. Really, I put that back into myself. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's awesome. And, um, when you were, cause obviously even like you were saying is like you were performing in all these different shows and you're kind of starting to really like cast some ground here within Kelowna and Okanagan mm. and obviously working with different artists and just actually being able to move a crowd even more so like which is amazing <laughs> I can only imagine how cool yeah. that really is but how did that like how did that kind of even like did you have any mental wear and tear from not being able to oh you continue doing that and yeah, um, it's definitely a lot of, like, I, I miss having, like, 400 people, whatever, in, like, my last show was at the crowd, was sold out, it was, like, 500 people or something like that, and I miss seeing uh, those people there dancing, uh, but it kind of made me realize who the real supporters are, because those are the people that, through COVID, they'd hit you up and be like, hey, like, what are you working on, can I listen to any of your stuff that's coming out? Like, those are the people that you really want to make the lifelong connections with. Are those people that take that extra step to support you even when there's not a whole bunch of things going on. Because mm-hmm. it's easy for, like, 
a group of 10 people, a group of 10 friends to be like, oh, like, I heard there's something going down at this club today, like, we should all go. Yeah. But it's a lot harder to basically reach out and being like, hey, like, I still want to support you even though there's no alcohol incentive, yeah. basically. <laughs> even though there's no partying incentive. So that's kind of uh, helped me realize who those people are, and those are people mm-hmm. that I keep close to me, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Who's actually... Who's been one of your big, bigger inspirations in within the music world to actually push you and just push you even more so from like a work ethic standpoint, like somebody that's really driven you and motivated you and kept you always like constantly driving and moving forward? I, I, I don't have like one person that does everything and I don't think one person or people should have one person that yeah. means like, oh, you should be creative, you should do this now. I think it should be spaced out because, like, if you have a falling out with that person or something, because yeah. stuff always happens, then all of your motivation is gone because that person left. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a bunch of people. Uh, ben Stunned, um, who I have that song come out with, he's a huge uh, musical mentor for me, and he's huge with uh, helping me stay motivated and helping me stay creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colton, again, he's one of the biggest supporters I've had in my life. Uh, he's... Um, happy to call him my best friend because he's done so much for me and I've done so much for him it's such a mutual relationship to keep each other motivated and keep mm-hmm. each other doing stuff um, and then my girlfriend Amanda she's she's constantly the one who's pushing me like oh yeah like, you should work on this and it's kind of funny because uh, I woke up this morning to a Facebook post from her basically saying like I'm so proud of you like it was just yeah. a public Facebook post with like my song being like I'm so proud of you you've spent early mornings and late nights working on this and this is like the pinnacle of what you're doing right now and, yeah. and it's important to have those people and there's a bunch of other people like I, I could say names and facts yeah. and ways they've supported me for hours but those are probably like the major three that uh, that help me musically mm-hmm. yeah that's no, that's amazing yeah. just having people support your goals and because this is the hard part I think with anything and especially when people are trying to pursue something the hardest the hardest thing is to make people see it in the same ways that you do and I don't mm. think you ever will honestly no like, no it's impossible for a like Colton and I are two very different people like we see eye to eye sometimes but there's so many times that we don't see eye to eye and we don't have the exact same visions um and then it's like I'm not gonna cut him off because we don't see eye to eye on this one yeah. thing um I think it's important to learn when to back away from people when they're not supporting you mm-hmm. um, the right way. And I, and I have lost friends and I've moved, moved away from people because um, they don't support me in the right way or they, that didn't sound right, but they don't, they don't give me the level of support that I give them. Yeah. Um, but then that kind of makes you realize uh, the people that really do support you and really do care and love for you. Like it's mm-hmm. like, I've got love for Colton. I got love for Ben. I got love for Amanda. I got love for so many people that give me that same love back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that three good supporters are more important than 50 bad supporters. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. No, that's, that's amazing. And I just, again, like I keep saying that's amazing. And it's it literally sounds like a broken record. <laughs> I didn't know that, but it's, it is like, it's so cool. Even just for myself to be sitting down here, having these conversations with you and, gaining a better insight of who you are, what you do and mm-hmm. how passionate you are about what you are doing is amazing. Cause one, it, it obviously 
like I actually get to connect with you, which a lot of people don't really tend to do on a daily basis. They don't get to sit down and have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you can have like meaningless little, Hey, how are you? Yeah. But it's rare. Those little kind of almost, I call it like a heart to heart. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, or if you are having those types of conversations, it's typically with people you've known for years. Yeah. So you never, you don't realize that you're having like a (laughs) conversation, you know? No, exactly. And so when I'm sitting here and we are talking about this and you're telling me just about some of the things that you've sacrificed, the conversations that you've had with people, the things that you've done, all of that stuff, it, it drives me and it motivates me even more and it makes my brain to start fire. And it's like, okay, like what's next for me? What is, what's the next big thing? What, it, what about this thing that I have on the go? And it starts like, yeah. it makes you think. It, and that's, it motivates you. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, and that's, that's where... It's the conversations that people need to have. Exactly. If you're not having conversations like these with people that you care and trust about, like you kind of need to reevaluate what you're doing. Exactly. 100%. And that's where I, again, like you said, you've, you've kind of lost friends or taken people out of your life because they didn't necessarily. Exactly. And that's same for myself. Like, and it's not a matter of, kind of like turn it around again like giving them the two middle yeah. fingers it's, it's, like, it's like I still want the best for you but like you're yeah. not you're not doing for me what I need right now yeah um, I don't know it's, it's funny it's one of those old clips by Playboy Cardi and he's talking about he's like he's like oh sometimes I was on this level and I thought people were on this level but they were really below my level mm-hmm. and then some people we were on the same level but then I surpassed them and they weren't on the same level as me anymore and it's kind of like that's that's the thinking I have going through is like, um, like I need to realize what level people are at with me, mm-hmm. and if I'm at an above level, like helping them up to understand my level as well, I guess. Mm-hmm. For yeah. sure. And there's it, like there's so many choices and decisions that people make in an everyday basis where a lot of the people that they've known for a long time might not agree with, or they might not see it the same way again, mm-hmm. right? And like I've noticed that especially within my own life is because there's certain choices that I've started to make and certain paths that I've started to go down and it's like I know that there's people in my life that not that they don't support it but they just don't understand it yeah. so then it's hard for them to support it yeah and it's and hard for those back to like the parents thing it's like yeah, yeah it's like they, they want to support you but they don't understand it exactly and then taking the time to sometimes help those people understand it. Like that's when you can get the biggest supporters Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, I kind of want to ask you like for somebody that is ever going through any form of struggle, whether it's within following their passions within anything, honestly, what would be your biggest tip of advice for them for going through any struggle? Yeah. Any form of struggle, mental health struggle, life struggle. (laughs) Amen. Um, I'm a very logical person. Um, so basically when I get into any sort of obstacle in my life, I always like to take a step back and reevaluate because sometimes it can be an easy solution to the problem. Sometimes it can be a super hard solution. So you have to go, Oh, is it worth it? And sometimes the easiest or the best case scenario would just be changing the path. So it's like, if you're, I don't know if you're stuck in a nine to five job that you don't want to be doing, then you know like that's going to be a hard struggle to be able to get out of that job and support yourself mm-hmm. but if you know that that's what you really want to do 
and you know you got to quit that job and you know you got to do what you love so you got to take a step back and realize like am I happy doing this is this something that I want to be doing for the next five years even three months of my life so you got to kind of take a step back. you got to evaluate. Because I know it's going to be super hard to be able to get out of the rat race like that. But it is possible. And you got to kind of see how people have done it before. you got to surround yourself with people that realize that's not what you want to do. And they want you to be happy doing something you want to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Just kind of taking a step back and reevaluating it. Yeah. How, how on earth, like, for yourself, when how did you discover that piece of your life where you ultimately you just kind of like knew like and I th- this is this is not necessarily for yeah. myself because I think I like I have an answer for this one as well but for a lot of people that will be listening I think that's something that's important because I know that there's gonna be so many people that are listening and are sitting there and resonating to that fact of yeah, I really don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life or I really don't want to be in this nine to five how do I make a change or how do I know that this is right for me like, how did you know music was right for you or that was your... I don't think you can really ever know until you kind of take that leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like, I didn't, I didn't want to do computer engineering, so I did business. I didn't want to do business. So I, I've taken multiple leaps of faith. And it's just kind of until you land on that platform that's like, okay, this is what I want to do. So just don't be afraid to take those leaps of faith to do something else. And don't be afraid if that leap of faith you took to do that other thing doesn't work out to take another leap of faith. Mm-hmm. So just... Because you're not going to know for sure that, oh, yes, this is what I'm going to be happy with doing until you do it. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to do it until you stop doing what you're currently doing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's just taking that jump and then uh, then reevaluating again to seeing if you're happy doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And nice. I think you should constantly reevaluate yourself. I think I, I reevaluate what I want to do like every two to three months. And yeah. every two to three months, I'm like, yeah, I'm happy doing music. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's that's the goal for it yeah. all is to make sure that you're happy doing what you're doing and to make sure that you're always. I think this is what I found was super helpful for myself and has continued to be is always kind of like taking a few steps back and regrounding myself and realizing why I started all of this in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's most important to me is realizing like, okay, why did I start all this in the first place? What was the reason? And make sure that I'm still on par with that first initial purpose that I had, or like that first initial yeah. reasoning behind it. Cause I know that there's been things that I've kind of started like tra- to transition into at one point, And I was like, I literally had to, I started freaking out cause I thought I was going so far off of like the whole path. And then I took like 10 steps back and I looked at everything from like an outside perspective. And I was like, Oh no, we're right on, we're right on track. Yeah, exactly. That's good. Which is which is always good just to make sure that you are on track and on par with your goals and even more so always setting your bar higher than you think you can achieve because you know that you'll get there. If you're constantly chasing that and you're constantly setting exactly. new goals, you'll always, always hit them. I think goal setting has been like one of the most important things in my life. And that's something that like you constantly work on. Yeah. Like I, I started setting goals like four or five years ago now. Um and I think it's something that goals are meant to be changed. And I think that's important that people set daily, weekly, monthly goals for themselves. Yeah, for sure. Um, and even have like five-year plans. Mm-hmm. Like I go into my bank every two years because I have a five-year plan laid out. And I sit down with an advisor and I go like, okay, how am I doing on my five-year plan? Am I going to get a house in five years? And yeah. it's, like, it's like you got you to gotta set goals for yourself. 
Otherwise, you have no way of measuring how well you've done. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest motivation is seeing how well you've done, but you won't see how well you've done unless you set goals to complete. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Do you have a do you have a quote or a saying or anything that you kind of live by, shape your life? Yeah, I do before? actually. Um, and this comes from that life coach that was uh, my boss at one point in my life. Yeah. And uh, this is something that I've personally believed in for a long time. And it's don't be young, stressing like you're old over trying to get rich tomorrow. So basically, like, we're we're both young. We shouldn't be worrying about getting that million-dollar bank account today, tomorrow, next week, next month. Like, it's still something that we should subconsciously do is being like, am I able to sustain myself doing this? But it's not something we should stress over. We shouldn't stress over the money in it. We should stress over, are we happy with it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think... And you know, like, this is something that I want to stress to absolutely everyone that listens as well. And It's, you know, if this is going to work or not. Like, you, you do know. Mm-hmm. Because if you know that it's something that can and will work then you're willing to put in the time, the effort, the blood, sweat, and tears exactly. to make it happen. And you know that there's there's no opportunity. It's kind of like it's kind of like when they say like you burn the boats behind you and it's like this is your this is your path. This is what you see, this is what you know. And if you don't know how it's all going to happen, you're going to find a way. And yeah. that's what I that's what I kind of believe in anyways is that if you truly believe in it and you truly think that this is something that is going to work and you love to do it, then it's it's gonna work. Because yeah. people and follow put everything you, you can into it. Like exactly. if, it's, if it makes you happy and you know it's gonna work, like throw all the money you have into it, throw all the time you have into it, throw yeah. all the passion you have into it. But it's still important to save that time for the people around you as well. For that's, sure. That's equally as important. Yeah. As getting something done is helping the people that support you yeah like I know I know people that want to basically cut all ties and make themselves or not make themselves but just create this this great life for themselves but at the end of the day what good is that if you don't have people around you yeah like there's no good if you you can't celebrate it with people who were around you since the beginning then you're just basically drinking alone exactly so yeah 100% But no, I honestly like, I just want to say like, what, what's next as like, when does this, what's, all right, well, the song will already be out. Yeah. Um, What's what's next for you? I I believe in working in silence. I think everything changes so much from it's, from the idealization of it to the creation of it. Mm -hmm. So like, I can't say what I'm going to be doing. Like after this, like I know I'm getting my winter tires changed, <laughs> but like after I get my winter tires changed over, like I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Like I might sit down, I might make music, I might work on the business. Like I don't know, and that's something yeah. that I think is the right way. That's how I work on stuff, is yeah. because that's how creativity is supposed to be. Is it's supposed to be spontaneous? It's supposed to be little flares here and there. Like you yeah. can train it, but yeah, hopefully just more music when COVID's done, more events, and then yeah. Yeah, who knows from there? Uh, I, yeah, no, exactly. I love that saying too. Is just like work in silence, yeah. succeed in silence. Um, and again, like 
it even kind of goes back into into Colton's podcast a little bit and a lot of the podcasts I've kind of done lately and the conversations I've had but it's more so like discovering your ego and how to kind of set that ego aside and yeah. really just really ground yourself again and take yourself take yourself out of that spotlight and just really sit sit in the background and just watch yourself succeed and grow and exactly. from a personal standpoint it's so 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 important and and I love that and obviously you are one that speaks to that very well and like that's also something that like I learned from people like Colton you know yeah. and that's again going back to having that support circle that's why you need people like that because mm-hmm. it's like I was a shy kid I was a shy kid mm-hmm. and like I'm still shy but it's not like a mask but it's like it's myself as an artist and myself as a person are almost two separate people where mm-hmm. um I'm able to stand up and play my own creation in front of people. Mm -hmm. But it's like when I'm myself and I show my friend this song I just made, I'm like, "Uh, (laughs) uh, I don't know if I want to show you this, but yeah. And it's, it's kind of learning how to work those both sides. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. And I, that literally that wraps up our podcast and I can't, I can't thank you enough for actually coming on and, Again, for coming into my house and doing yeah. this with me. It was, it was awesome. And just, again, meeting you and seeing, even just hearing your story and hearing where, like, all the steps that you've taken, I think it even just proves, like, your past, again, like I say this a lot, but it's like your past doesn't define your future. And it's it's not even from a struggle standpoint. More so it's from, like, you don't even you were, know what you want yeah, to do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what you're doing a month ago or a year ago doesn't or even a day ago doesn't have to be what you're going to do tomorrow yeah. or today which is which is beautiful and that's the art of life and there's for, no there's no predefined path exactly yeah. yeah and so we need and that's what we really need to I could go into a whole other hour about talking yeah. about that I know that I could because that is something I'm so passionate about talking about is how we all have we all have this big Basically, we all have all these societal pressures behind us that are trying to force us into all of these different routes when in reality, it's like if we just have to follow what makes us happy yeah. like at the end of the day, which is so, something you so just awesome. got to train is to, is to learn how to listen to what sources are best for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, of course, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Struggle Creates Strength. I hope everyone enjoyed Eddie's story and I highly encourage you to reach out to him and have some form of vulnerable conversation with him. Now, if you want to reach out to me or potentially come on the podcast, you're more than welcome to at Struggle Create Strength on both Instagram and Facebook, or you can also reach me on my website at strugglecreatestrength.com. All podcasts are posted on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and additional posts are posted on Instagram as well. Now, a huge thank you does have to go out to everyone who continues to share the podcast on social media and tagging Struggle Create Strength as it gives it more opportunity to reach more people. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Struggle Create Strength. And just remember that everyone has a story. Hello.